Welcome to the Lauren Hour podcast with your girl, Alora D. We got our co-host, B. Bass, and Miss Jazz at the bottom. And tonight we have a very special guest. I'm going to let him go ahead and take his time and introduce himself. Go ahead. Did she just say that? <laughs> All right. Um, uh, my name is Marvin Barner, Jr. Uh, I pastor uh, Second Baptist Church here in Steubenville, Ohio. Just a different kind of pastor. I just want to get to the point where I help people and give people a better quality of life. I, at that point now, man, where I just want to help as many people as I can. All right. I like that. I like Look, He came on hot. Okay. Coming in hot. I like that. I like that. Um, so how are you guys doing today? And I, Mr. Barner, I really want to thank you for being here. I so appreciate you for coming uh, in tonight. No problem. My pleasure. My pleasure. I'm mad we don't have snacks, but my pleasure. Right. I could... <laughs> Listen, I listen, I, I could use a snack. I can use a snack. I really can. So <laughs> tonight we're gonna save all the pleasantries, okay? And we're actually gonna dig right into it. So I really, really been following you on Facebook for about a couple of months now, and I've seen a lot of your posts. And let me tell you, a lot of your posts kind of registered with me because you weren't the traditional pastor that I was seeing anymore. It was like, okay, I like this guy because he teaches acceptance. And what I mean by acceptance is into the church. You seem like the pastor who will open your church to anyone who wants to come in and truly get saved. Very so, much so. Very so much tell so. me, tell, tell us a little bit about your church and your plans on helping deliver people. Uh, I've been, um, I started in ministry uh, when I was 16. Now I'm 51. I've been here in uh, Northeast Ohio for a few years. And uh, I grew up in an old system of church where uh, the preacher had to have a robe on every Sunday. The preacher had to uh, you know, walk a certain way. You couldn't wear blue jeans. You couldn't wear shorts. You couldn't watch television. You couldn't listen to hip hop music. And it's like, as a young kid, um, being a minister as a young kid, I had that tear because I'm like, okay, I know who God has called me to be, but in the same token, I want to listen to hip hop. I, you know, I want to break dance. I want to catch shows how old I am. I want to be able to go out and have fun. And I used to remember the mindset of a lot of the kids that I grew up with. Mm -hmm. um, we caught the I'd say we just caught proverbial hell from people because if we walked in church, it was a inspection. It was like, okay, you got your hair cut in a box back at old school kid and play. You know, you got these uh, tennis shoes on with these fat laces and God is not pleased. And we were taught that you had to dress up in order to come to church. And then I found out when I got older, I'm like, well, all of the people, many of the people who were dressed up in church were the main ones that were raising hell. <laughs> so, so over the years, uh, God has really touched me to be like, you know what, if people come into church, you love them where they are. You don't judge them based on tattoos. You don't judge them based on sexuality. You don't judge them based on piercings. You don't judge them on what they're doing because our job is to show the love of Christ. And if we can't show the love of Christ, we're not the church. We're nothing more than a social club. Oh, you know what? I like that you said you said that we're to love them right where they are. And I think that that is so crucial to society right now is loving people right where they stand. And sometimes we have this stigma that someone is not worthy of our love because they don't match us. 
And what I mean by they don't match us, meaning they don't have our our, our finances sometimes. They don't have our stature, you, you know, our popularity, right. you know. And if we take the time and see past all of those material things and actually see a person's spirit and see past all of this, I think exactly. we'll be able to see that people really be needing our help. And some people are just really kind and it, we just got to get past the outward appearance. Exactly. Go ahead, be Uh I would say not even outward appearance, but just past that top right here. Can't see past this. Mm. So yeah. people are so full of themselves, they can't see past their own nose. And the superficial is definitely what's being uh, idolized in society right now. Mm. Um, what I am big on science and all that stuff. So I look uh, to the stars. And if you knew what was out there, we are just a speck of what is beyond. And like, we're just so engorged in, or in, we're so like, into what's going on in this just what we see here if we just could just like you said spiritually connect with things that are bigger than us maybe the world would be a better place but people can't yeah and it's it's it, well when we really look at it it's war whether you whether you believe in uh universalism whether you believe in a higher power whether you believe in god whether you believe in allah whether you believe in buddha Sadly, the, the world has geared itself to be at war with each other, because yes. if you don't share my views, I'm going to look down on you and talk about you because my view is the only view. And I say this as a pastor because we have probably right now a good 185 different versions of the Bible, but we're still fighting the same devil. Crazy yes. as that sounds, all these different yes. denominations, but yet we still are fighting the same enemy, uh, you know, and as he just said, there's so much more, uh, you know, than just our limited experiences. And we try to project our limited experience on other people. And that's yeah. where the that's where the conflict comes from. Mm -hmm. So we titled this podcast, The Rebirth of the Church and how to get the church back on the right track where it is no longer about man's view, but about God's view, because the church from, from my standpoint, I don't feel like not all churches, certain churches are not doing God's work because I feel like certain churches close off certain sins. So if you're just smoking cigarettes and you're just drinking, you're welcome in the church. But if you're a homosexual and you had six kids out of wedlock, we don't want you. And I feel like that is a current problem in a lot of churches. So... <laughs> Pastor, how do you feel like we address this and fix this? And do you agree that some of these churches need a rebirth? There's a bunch of churches that need rebirths. Um, one thing about the pandemic, the pandemic rebooted a lot of churches. Well, I take that back. The pandemic gave a lot of churches a reason and a motivation to reboot. Mm -hmm. And now that we're on the other side of the pandemic, sadly, there are many churches that are going back in doing the same thing that they were doing before. And the world literally was shut down. The plan, you know, you hear people say, oh, that was a hoax. It's like, whatever. The reality is, is that churches were shut down where there was a skeleton crew of people and we were broadcasting live, you know, online like we were. And as you said, when someone comes into God's house 
it is never supposed to be about what they have on. It's never supposed to be about who they are, what they look like, what color they are. So while you hear many people, they're, they're separatists. They say, well, you know what, if you're doing this, 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 and this, you can't come in God's house. That's nothing more than just mental racism. The same way that people of color like are not that. allowed to go into places is the same thing that we do inside of church, where if mm -hmm. somebody comes into the church, we say, oh, you know what? I give you a prime example. My previous church, I had uh, I had three gay women, two gay men and one transgender. And one solution, as you said a few minutes ago, mm -hmm. is just having healthy conversations as a pastor. If you come in, I'm never going to be like, oh, my God, look at the look at that. Look at that, because that's what people are doing in churches right. and people are getting hurt and broken more than what they already are at home. And many of them are coming in church because they've been hurt or broken. Right. So when they come into the church, it's our job literally to love them unconditionally versus trying to look down and say, well, you know, you're you're, you're doing this and, and you're getting high. But if Jesus walked and he encountered homeless people, a woman with an issue of blood, a woman with the spirit of infirmity, 10 lepers, a woman at the well. He never told any of them that they were going to hell based on how they were living. Right. Nowhere, nowhere in scripture will you ever find that. But what has happened is, is that we've had the hellfire and brimstone preaching for so long that people have been brainwashed to think that I have to maximize your sins. Mm -hmm. That way my sins can be minimized. Yes, yes. <laughs> and so uh, Jazz or Bevaz, did you guys have any questions? Oh, um, well, we were talking offline, you know, just so that way you get a little beat background is that, you know, I, I, I'm an atheist, but one thing I don't do is tell people you're wrong right. for having the, the, the choices that you have for your religion and everything. The only thing my gripe was, was like, don't put it on me. Don't tell, don't say that, like, try to convince me otherwise and say, Hey, you know, you should really consider this. It will have better your life. Have right. you gone into instances where people will try to change your Baptist views and try to convert you into another denomination? Because, you know, mm -hmm. Protestants, there's yeah. over a hundred different ones. So, I mean, yes. <laughs> which one would you consider yourself to be more like rather than just a Baptist? Are you Baptist non-denominational or what are you? What are you I... I stick more so close to Baptist doctrine because that is one of the closest to the original scriptures um, as it pertains to, uh, I'd say, promotion of the kingdom. I never tell people I'm a pastor of a Baptist church. They ask, where do you pastor? Oh, I pastor Second Baptist. I say that because that's the name itself. Um, the one thing that I've never really done is buckle down and just solidify a denomination. And the reason being mm -hmm. is because each denomination is known for a certain thing that they do. And if I only consider myself to be a Baptist versus saying that I'm saved, then mm -hmm. I'm only promoting one faction. As he said a few minutes ago, there's bunches of, uh, of internal denominations under the Protestant banner. Right. So my thing as a pastor is I always preach one Lord, one faith, one baptism. The ritualistic piece of it, I think, is where many churches are. Uh, in confusion, because, for example, Baptists, we are known and I and this is a stereotype, but crazy mm -hmm. as it sounds, Baptist churches are known for having a bunch of afternoon services and providing chicken, green beans and macaroni and cheese for Man, services. Part. 
<laughs> um, church, church of God in Christ that, you know, they're, they're known for, you know, for speaking in tongues, tearing in the Holy Ghost. I mean, there's mm-hmm. so many different factions of religion. And if I only buckle down to one of them, I'm limiting God. And, right. and, as, a, and as a pastor and as a believer, uh, I'm a firm believer that even though I pastor a church that has Baptists on the name, the Bible never told us to be Baptists, but the Bible does speak of the day of Pentecost. And, you know, and, and sadly, I think that's where and let's let's go back for a second. We can agree on for most religions. They agree that God is the only way we agree mm-hmm. in theology, yes. mm-hmm. but we disagree mm-hmm. in pneumatology, the study of the spirit. And when mm-hmm. we disagree with pneumatology, the study of the spirit, Baptists believe that you got to come in front of a church and confess all your sins. Catholics believe that you got to go behind a door behind a red curtain and confess everything. Uh, holiness and Pentecostal believe that you have to be completely exposed to the entire church and made to look, you know, so each denomination has its own little piece that comes with it. So I try to stay away from that because at the end of the day, the message of God is universal. Right. Like on this post that we have black, we have white, we have Hispanic and there's no way that God is going to say, all right, well, the black guy and the Hispanic guy gets to go in. The white guy, he gets to go in. But the ladies that I don't know, I might have to test them. So so when right. Bible says whosoever will let him come, that means anybody, anybody and everybody. Yeah. And so let me let me ask you this. Mm-hmm. So you you just named a lot of different denominations and what they believe in. Um kind of like their study. So does it really matter to people who are coming into the church that they should actually have a little bit of background into the churches and the factions and the history behind it before they actually choose a church? They should. That, but that's where the that's where the teaching comes in um, mm-hmm. for Sunday morning is more of the celebration with a little bit of teaching. Bible study mm-hmm. through the week is more of the in-depth, you know, you know, not in teeth, being able to jump into it. But I tell anybody that comes before you decide to give your life to Christ and to become a part of the local church, per se, you need to know what you're doing. And, and I think what happens is, is that many of us, we jump in with the mindset thinking that if I go join this particular church, any church in Florida, North Carolina, if I go join church because they represent God, if they represent God, then when I come into that church, I shouldn't be able to be hurt. But right. people find out that when they come inside of a church, they end up getting hurt. And, and that's the and that's the damage that many churches, not all churches, because I'm a defender of the church, but many churches are doing that where people will leave and never come back because of how they were treated by people who said that they knew God. So go yes. back to go back to uh, the old karate movies, go back to the old karate movies On the old karate movie. I used to watch Kung Fu theater on Saturday morning. You would always have somebody on camera that would say, hmm, that you <laughs> and, we would, and we would get and we would get frustrated because the video didn't match the audio. Right. So what happens in our churches is, is that we tell you outside of church, come to our church. We'll love you unconditionally. Come mm-hmm. to our church, no matter what color you are. That's our audio. But when people walk inside the church, the video that they present doesn't match the audio that they yes. were giving on the outside of the church. Oh, you know what? I love how you put that. And that is something that is running people away from the church they get there because when you see someone on the street like you said they give you all this love they give you this good feeling and that one particular person may truly have that that spirit with them that you know uh really walking in the way of god that godly spirit and then you get into the church 
And then you realize not everyone there is there for the right reasons. And, you know, a lot of pastors do preach this. But if this is your first time ever coming to a church, for example, right. and you're not prepared for that, you're going right. to run because you're going to feel judged. You're going to exactly. feel uncomfortable and you're going to feel exposed. And the one thing I learned about people is a lot of people do not like feeling exposed or so vulnerable to the point where they feel like they just want to duck and cover in the church. And then there's a lot of people walking to church and they feel that way. No one should feel that way. Well, think about it. We, think about it right now. You are, you all are Eastern time. I'm Eastern time. There's a young mm -hmm. man who he's debating going out and committing murder, robbing somebody because he's mm -hmm. tired of hearing his mother cry that she has no money from work. There's a young lady right now that's dealing with self-esteem issues. And right now she's really thinking about giving herself to a grown man that's been showing her attention. Right now there's a father mm -hmm. somewhere that's getting ready to commit suicide because he's making money, but he's not making enough money to deal and, you know, and provide for his kids. So now because they're in that particular mental state, somebody in their circle says, maybe you should try church and try God. So I'm already going through enough outside. Mm, so right. by the time I get inside, I need to experience love from somebody. <clears throat> because when people come to Second Baptist here, I don't care who it is. When they come in the door and they come up front or I get a chance to meet them or whatever, I shake their hand. I give them a hug. Hey, how you doing? I'm, I, and I say this, I'm not the traditional pastor because the traditional pastor, how I grew up, the minute the pastor shook your hand and gave you a hug. Now, you know, you need to start coming to church or you're going to hell. Now, you know, you shouldn't have them cornrows in your head. Now, you know, you shouldn't have right. all the judgment pieces, right? automatically. Yeah, exactly. Why would I want to come into that? And what COVID did, COVID said, hey, you could go to church and serve. But for those who really aren't secure and really don't understand how church works, I ain't got to go in a building and deal with all these two faced people. Right. I can stay home and eat Cheerios and watch TV. <laughs> and That's my underwears, the, okay? <laughs> but the, but the millennials now, the millennials, they're in their age group, and they really, they're, they're not as in tune with church, you know. And as I said, I'm a defender of God's house. I'm always going to defend God's house because I know where He's brought me from. But in the same token, if we don't do a reconstruction a reformation if you will because i'm part of a reformation uh, here in ohio but if we don't do a reformation and change the way that we approach church we're going to lose more people a bunch more people we've already lost a lot because churches are not as filled up as you know as they were some people are scared due to the virus there are other people that are like man you know i got so used to not going i'm just not going to go anymore sorry guys Okay, so I guess I can ask my question now. Mm -hmm. So um, I know that he said that he'd been in the church since you said 16, right? Yes, ma'am. Now, was it like, now I know, okay, let me go back a little bit. I know mm -hmm. like some that are per se like out in the streets and whatnot, they get <laughs> saved. Was it like something that not really drastic that happened to you that once wanted you to get, or that you chose to get saved or was it just like you just grew up in a church and just kept following the footsteps? No, I originally as a child, I was always told that I was going to follow our grand, my grandfather was a pastor of our church for 40 years. But the thing about me was I knew I had a calling on my life, but I was still ready for street life. Mm. So, so I'm not mm. coming from the aspect of I've always been, I've been, a, I, I was a preacher <laughs> at 16, but I had that stage in my life where you name the drink, I drank it. 
<laughs> you name the drug, I tried it. I, I mean, I literally was straight up. I'm still, I'm still a thug. I'm just transformed. I know the Lords, but uh, yeah. <laughs> but but, but um, what happened, Jazz, is that when I was in the middle of my transition of okay, I know who God has called me to be. But in the same token, I'm trying to do that street life thing. Mm -hmm. uh, I had a crazy epiphany that happened to me. I think I was probably about I was probably about 20, 21, maybe I just got out the army and um, it was just like that calling. I knew I was called, but I was still fighting it. So what happened? I had one of these dreams, crazy dream. At this point, I didn't even have any children yet, but I had a dream of um, one of my kids was tied to uh, a railroad track. And literally a train was coming. And this dream, I had the same dream almost every day for like a year and a half. And every single night, I'm like, okay, why am I having this crazy dream? Because number one, I don't have kids. What's the deal with the train track or whatever? <laughs> and I ended up talking to um, uh, one of my cousins. And my cousin was like, man, listen, he said, you've had a voice since you were like 12. He said that dream is haunting you because you're doing the opposite of what you've been called to do. Now, me being, you know, thug life, I'm like, Dude, you crazy. I'm trying to listen to Pac and Sip Hennessy. I ain't thinking about nothing you say. And in the back of my mind, I knew what he told me. But because, Jazz, I in my head, I thought I hear what he's saying, but that's not me. That's not for me. It's not the fact that it wasn't for me. That's the call that's been on my life. And the same cousin told me, he said, with your voice, he said, regardless of where you are, when you speak, either you're going to lead people into destruction Amen. Or are you going to lead people into transformation? Amen. And right, right. When I, and right when I really said, you know what, I'm done with the street life, that's when all the dreams stopped. Yes, sir. <laughs> Literally. And, I he, mean, went, was, uh, he went from uh, set set to Autobots roll out. So, Rank, we have a. Um, Message from fans. So, uh, Randy Easter says today's society is more comfortable in sin than being in urgency to seek God. Seek God. Amen. True. That's true. Amen. That's Amen. true. Can I and can I tell you why that is? We are more at we are more apt to be comfortable in sin because sin is fun all around us too. It's all yeah. It's That's like true. he said. It's social media, team. Sin is fun. Nobody. Listen, in my hood days, nobody ever woke up after drinking all night long. And say, you know what? I can't do this anymore. Um, the, when we were drinking, it was fun. The thought of drinking was fun. The thought right. of saving up money to get liquor was fun. When we were on the dance floor, it was fun. So by the time we mixed brown liquor and white liquor <laughs> and something happened within our bodies and the bubble guts began to pop up you and you were hugging the toilet. passed out between the toilet on the bathroom floor. That, and what did you say? You oh God, I promise you, I'll <laughs> never drink again. The very next night, party. I'm there because it was fun. <laughs> it was fun. It was fun. And like you said, we have to get to the point where we seek after God. But let's say this. Why? Let's say it like this. There are people who don't want to seek after God because of the examples that are speaking for God. Yes, that's that. That's the. And again, Ooh, that's video oh and audio. Goodness. The examples. I like that. Hey, CL, I yeah. love that. I <laughs> yeah. love that. The examples that are speaking for God, and I hate to say this, and I know I'm going to get jumped for this, but COVID blessed us with being able to have church at home. But COVID also licensed a whole bunch of people that were never meant to be preachers. I'm saying this because one day, 
One day they wanted to be a unicorn. The next day they wanted to be a football player. Now today I want to be a preacher. So for $49.95 plus shipping and handling, I can send off to this company and they can give me a license to say that I'm a preacher. And this is not a job. This is a calling. I got I got ordained. I did it for uh, for my girl's daughter. I was going to wed them off. But I'm a minister to Universal Life Church and I'm an atheist. So let's put those two together. Yeah, that was that before. Now, was that before? That was pretty much. Was that before nine eleven or after? When you said that you were kind of. Oh, it was when my pop passed. He died gotcha. day before my birthday in two thousand seven. Oh and wow! I said uh, I said I'm done with everything because if if uh, one was the agnostic part that hit me, which was right, like three thousand plus people that die. Hold up, what's going on here? Yeah. And then I get that cliche. Oh, you know, maybe they had some sins. I was like, they were innocent folks. There's no, no way. And no, then the next yeah. one that was like my pop <laughs> dying the day before my birthday, it's either a sick joke or or a character building session that led me to a dark hole into a, a substance abuse and a suicide attempt. So wow. Wow. Uh, I mean, if it's a sick joke, then I don't want to be a part of that party. I wanna I don't want to be in that. So and see, that's all I do. And I respect what you say, because the only thing that I disagree with, not with you, but the way that people came at you. Um, right. Sadly, what we have done is we we say stupid things. And I, can I say, yes, we say stupid things um, to people when they're in pain. Well, the reason why your mom passed or got sick because she used to have a sin life. If that be the case, all of us should have died immediately because yeah, all of girl. us have sinned or done something. Right. You, you see exactly. what I'm saying? So, mm -hmm. so, so sadly, what happens is in, in this particular situation uh, where you're literally in pain and you had all of the wrong people that had a voice in your ear that never should have said anything at all. That's, but that's part. Of, and as you yeah. said, that's part of the problem. Amen. Yeah, that's part of the problem. And and you know what though. I'm not going to sit here and bash all pastors because we have some amazing oh, pastors. Yeah. Out here. Oh, we yeah. have some amazing churches out here. Because let me tell you, uh, oh, yeah. <clears throat> for a lot of people who knew me, the old me knew I was trouble, 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 okay? <laughs> Capital T, right? And <laughs> I'm literally in a cell. I'm in a, in a cell in juvenile the day that I realized that God was calling me. And wow. I always tell people I'm not perfect by far i'm still a sinner and i'm still working on it but i was in um juvenile hall i was i got arrested for still in the car and that night we almost killed somebody we almost hit somebody we were shot at that night oh, it was wow. so crazy and i got caught you know the rest of my friends they jumped out the car they ran i, mean, I ain't gonna lie i was kind of i was like listen um i'm too fat for this i'm definitely not running so i <laughs> sat my behind in that car and they arrested me <laughs> <laughs> wow. but <laughs> to get to the story, like my dream, I was in this elevator. I got into this elevator and I walked into the elevator and I hit the button. It was peaceful, it was calm, and then the elevator dropped. And when the elevator dropped, it dropped so fast. And I'm I'm just so scared, I'm in a panic. And in that dream, I dropped to my knees and I started praying. And I wow. said, Jesus, please save me, please help me, please help me, please help me. And the elevator slowed down. When the elevator slowed down, the doors opened. When the doors opened, I stood up. And it was a, a, a light figure and what seemed like it was the Garden of Eden. And I felt such peace. And I got out the elevator and I started to walk with the figure. And when I woke up that next Sunday, I got saved because I wow. said, God was telling me that you're on a path to hell. 
you're on a dangerous path and either it was a path to hell, then I was going to die. And that's wow. when I knew I needed to change my life. And I won't even lie that next week because I was in anger management too. That next week I went to anger management and then parents were coming up to me and they were like, you know what? You speak with such passion. You're not like a lot of these other kids. I don't see you being this way forever. You have a calling on your life. You need to change right now. I see a bright future for you. And if it wasn't for that dream or those parents and the pastors who ministered to me when I was yeah. a young girl, I wouldn't yeah. be here right now. I'd be in somebody's prison somewhere or somebody's grave. Oh, yeah. yeah. And see, that's what makes my job hard is that we have so many uh, good pastors that are out there. But it's the I flunked fifth grade. I don't have identity. I've never accomplished anything. So today I just want to be a preacher. Those types of individuals make it bad for the rest of us because many of us are overworked. We're underpaid. We're out in, you know, we're out in the streets trying to help people. We do what's required of ministry. And I'll be the first to tell you, I am not one of those millionaire pastors. I'm not knocking them as what they do, but I'm not one of those that's going to tell you, well, if you don't give me $500, God is not going to send you a husband. Amen. I ain't Joel Osteen. <laughs> <laughs> <Joel Osteen. laughs> so we have a comment. We have a comment. Um, yeah, I'll read it. You so read Randy it? Easter said, you find God through divine intervention, some of us through traumatic experiences to acknowledge his presence. Amen. That's true. Oh, that yeah. is very true. Yeah, that's trauma true. will push you, you know, you find out what's in you when trauma comes. Yeah, that's um Randy said I ran and caught and oh that's Justin. Asthma. I'm sorry. Justin said I ran and got caught asthma. Wow. <laughs> um. Lord have mercy. That's funny. We're do it. We're the do way it. you explain that, uh Laura, the way you explain that dream is mm -hmm. that dream was uh the literal version of a crossroads. It was. Wow. So it if the was. elevator was going up, you probably would have been like, I'm on a good path and everything's all good. Stay and still. then yeah. it's yeah. almost like a flying dream. I've had dreams where I'm flying. And then there's dreams where I was flying and then I started falling from the air. Mm. And yeah. when I have those, I'm thinking like maybe there's something um, that I'm missing. So I'll, I'll like, it was during school time too. So it was like, mm -hmm. I was not doing well in one of my classes and it was hitting me. Mm -hmm. Just had to like refocus and then mm -hmm. get better grades and then the dream goes away. But usually when I'm stressed like that, that's when I get those kinds of dreams. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That's, and what he just said, a lot of times when we have those dreams, um, we're being told something, we just have to decipher what it is. Right, right. And I tell Jesus, oh my God, you know what? It's so crazy because Lord Jesus, I had a dream. The other, Lord Jesus, I'm going to tell my husband afterwards because I, I, I had this dream that was so concerning. I woke up in the middle of the night and I told my husband, when you go to work tomorrow, I need you to be careful. And then some stuff just happened. And, um, and I just realized God was sending me warning and I did not send that warning out to anyone else. God forgive me. Yeah. But anyways, uh, I do have <laughs> I have some more questions because it's, it's some stuff going on. I, I don't want to vocalize it on the podcast right now. So um, I do have some more questions <laughs> for you. So one of my my one of my uh, biggest questions is we kind of went into it, but I'm going to dig a little bit deeper. What 
are some of the major issues other than things that we spoke about with the church that you think we can address and hopefully get everyone on one court that way everyone's kind of uh we don't feel, we, we feel like we're not hitting the same wall with churches because what we're talking about has been things that's been going on for years upon right. years well it's it's it's, it's, it's accountability hmm. um it's accountability of the pastors and it's the accountability like of that. the people um anything that has a head if you cut the head off it dies and many churches are dying because the earthly under shepherd head, the pastor, uh, is not doing they're not doing what they're supposed to do. And as a result, we see the fruit that's going on in the churches. Um, also, we have an accountability in the congregation. And when people are hell raising in the congregation, it doesn't matter how much money they give. It doesn't matter if their granddaddy put the first brick in the building. They need to be held accountable Amen. for their mouths. And if you look in the Bible, Romans chapter 16, verse 17 says, mark those who cause division among you. And something that does not happen in many churches, not all, but many churches is we know who the hell raisers are, but we never mark them and call them out. And the reason being is because that's my cousin. They give a lot of money. The, the building is named after their dad. And we don't want to call because if we call them out in their stuff, they're going to stop coming to the church and then their money is going to stop too. And one thing I will say personally about myself, I have never cared ever how much money somebody gives in church because just because you give the most money in church does not give you the right to rain hell inside of God. Don't house. control the church. The church exactly. is God's house. Exactly. It is not man's house. And, and that is one of the messages that we're trying to get across. The church is the place that we're supposed to. That's our temple, right? That's where we're yeah. supposed to go to to seek uh -huh. after God. So it should not be man um, ran according to man's rules, because like you said, because you gave the most money. Now you figure out that you, you can say that who can be on the deacon board and who can be right. here. If they're called to be there, then that's where they're going to be. If you don't feel like they dress appropriate enough to be there, then, hey, won't we raise some money to help them get the clothes that they need? Or well, see, look, look at it this way. Many churches are ran like the mob. Mm. Um, I'm not going to say all churches, but there are many that are. And I'm going to give you a prime example. My first church that I pastored, I was young and naive. Um, I did not. I was not where I am now from a spiritual standpoint and a mental standpoint, but uh, I had a family, literally family told me, they were like, okay, when you come in, you preach and teach and we'll run a church. I said it, I said, it doesn't, it doesn't work that way. Uh, after about three or four months of struggle, one of them called a meeting. Now keep in mind, why are you calling a meeting and you're just a person coming to the church? They call a meeting. They asked me to come to the meeting. So I pull up to the church. It's probably 40 cars outside. Mm -hmm. And I walk in the building They're like, well, you need we need you to have a seat right there. And I'm sitting there like, like, have a seat. Right. What? Like, OK, so I went, sat down. I'm mm -hmm. listening. They're like, well, we have an issue here because the family got together and we decided that we're not sure if we want you to be the pastor. Now, there were other people that were there that are not members of the family. Some came to be nosy. Some came just to kind of, you know, get a gauge on what was going on. Mm -hmm. So I said, so let me get this right. In the house of God, where the people voted and said that I was the pastor, you listened to the voice of God. And what you're saying is, is that your family 
the ones who did not die for our sins, your family, Amen. the ones that Amen. did not wake me up this morning have made a decision that they don't want me to be the pastor. I said, what's the justification behind it? Well, you did a lot of changes. And what happened, I used to pastor, I pastored Murray's, uh, in Murray, Kentucky, where Murray State University is person stands up in the family and says, well, we got all of these people that's coming here from this college and we got all of these fraternities and sororities and we got white people and black people. And this is our church. I said, first of all, this is not your church. I said, this is God's house. It's not your church. Well, I'm telling you that I'm an original member. I said, I don't care who you are. I said, if you want to know how much influence you have in here, I said, subtract your birth date from the date that Jesus died. I said, you'll find out how long the church has gone on along without you. So it became a, well, you trying to get smart, you this and we this. I said, listen, I said, I don't know if y'all know it or not. I'm a preacher and I love the Lord, but still I'm that one. And I had a couple <laughs> that jumped up like, you know, like what you I'm like, OK, whatever y'all want. And this is in the house of God. So yeah, that's that, that's not conducive to you guys' message. Exactly. Right. And, exactly. And, so, and you you know what? I had a question for another question. I can see that that might be one of the hardest part. So my question was um, from a personal standpoint, what is the hardest part about being a pastor? That seemed like that could be a very hard part. When you're new, it's hard. Now that you, when you get to a certain place like where I am now, you see that as minor stuff because mm -hmm. I found out that everybody wasn't raised the same. Mm -hmm. And when you realize that everybody was not raised the same as you were, you got to stop expecting you out of them. In other words, they're not going to handle things the way you handle them. So I have to literally take one person at a time, each person at a time and deal with them individually. The hardest part of pastoring now for me, it is, I would say now is the frustration that is, I want more for people than they want for themselves. And when you see people with potential, mm -hmm. when you see people that have mm -hmm. a strong education, a good, you know, good uh, pedigree, they really are influential and you know what they're capable of. But then you get that phone call that either they got killed, you get the phone call that they got locked up and you're like, oh, my gosh, you had so much potential and you literally threw it away. And I heard this said years ago, one of the richest places on the planet is not Fort Knox, Kentucky. It's not Dubai. It's the graveyard because so many people had so many ideas and so much potential, mm. but it never came to pass because literally they're gone. And, and it's it's and it's believe it or not, it's two part. Number one, wanting more for people than they want for themselves. And number two, the physical part, which I had to learn a lesson with the physical part. Um, September 30th of last year, which has almost been a year next month, I had a massive heart attack in uh, the basement of the church. I'm walking inside the church and I'm speaking to my missionary ladies who are there. Mm -hmm. All of them are 65 and over. And I'm like, hey, how you guys doing? You know, and it starts to get hot. So I'm like, OK, what's going on here? Uh, needless to say, one of my missionaries gave me a Tylenol, took a Tylenol, did nothing. I go into the office, I sit down and I start to sweat like I just jumped out of a swimming pool. Mm. And I'm like, OK, something's going on. I didn't know it was a heart attack, but I knew something was going on. My secretary mm -hmm. goes to the store and she gets a thing of aspirin. I take 12 aspirin, ate them like they were candy, did absolutely nothing. So now I'm looking at my phone and I'm trying to call my family. I'm looking at my iPhone and I'm like, hey, Siri, call. He said, phone wouldn't even open up. 
literally nothing. I could not get anything to open up. They called the EMTs. They come, they check my oxygen level. They check everything. They're like, well, you seem like you're normal. And I'm like, I feel fine, but I know something's wrong. They put me in the ambulance. And when they put me in the ambulance, literally I died. I was there for a minute, 22 seconds. When Dang. I came back to, they were getting ready to hit me. With I love the and I'm just like, Okay, wait a minute. What happened? They were like, well, dude, you were dead. We were getting ready to, you know, pitch you with the defibrillator. So I'm just like, oh, God. So they get me to the hospital. I had two surgeries here in Steubenville and I had complications. So they lifelighted me to Pittsburgh and I had three more surgeries in Pittsburgh. So I had five surgeries in seven days. And when I came back home, it wasn't the heart attack that was the toll. I had paradoxical insomnia, which mm. is when your body dies. And if you try to fall asleep, your body's afraid that it might die again. Die again. You know mm. what I mean? So I'm literally up for like 30 fear. something days. You yeah, know, you were a fear, fear of death. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Okay. Okay. Yeah. I, I'm very intrigued right now. So yeah, I got a question on that. Too. Minute and 22 seconds. Mm -hmm. Now, for for those who are into the religious stuff and they are into the whole like afterlife and everything that minute in 22 seconds was that the longest experience you've ever had or did you see something while you were in this moment that you felt like you fell asleep but then you woke up you come to no, I didn't. It, it was like something it was like something in a movie. You know how when we were growing up, you'd always hear that your life would flash in front of your eyes and you see like a white light. When I think back and when it happened, it was like a surreal and surreal experience where my body, my spirit was on the outside of my body. And as they were working on me, I could see it. But what was a minute, 22 seconds yeah. seemed like three days. That's what I was saying. The perception of when yeah. you do go there, time yeah. is relative. So that yeah. minute and 22, your experience. Three days. What, easy. what did you see, like, per se, as far as the initial experience of, well, when you when, when you passed out, was it like, did you feel just sleepy or did you just, you just snap you just fell you fell I, out of it i felt i fell straight out but the okay. but the memory of falling out oh, falling out right yeah yeah the memory of falling out was is that as they were working on my body i could see it and my spirit was like trying to get Looking back to you. my body you mm. know what i mean okay so, I so saw you myself were tethered. Closed. you mm. were tethered in a way you were still tethered but you weren't floating over you were just looking down I, like no, I was, kind, like I was trying to get to it. I was trying to get oh, to it. Like, far, so you were floating away in a like ima imagine, imagine if you're imagine if you're trying to get to a certain part in a swimming pool. Yeah, you're which is treading. So yeah. my body's in front of me, and I'm trying my best to get back to my body, but I couldn't get back to my body. And what seemed like three, it seemed like it was days. It seemed like you were I was literally, literally fighting for your to life. Get back. Exactly. Exactly. So then when I came to and they said, well, you were dead, they would get hit with, the, you know, with the defibrillator. I'm like, wait a minute, what happened? And then right when they were putting me into the helicopter, like two days later, I was like, oh, crap, wait a minute, because it felt like I was trying to get back to my body, but I couldn't get back to it. And it was kind of like when it did happen, it was a, you know, like just this sudden click. And I'm just mm -hmm. like, OK, this can't be real, but it was real. 
And when I was explaining this to doctors, they were like, that doesn't sound real. I'm like, dude, just as soon, just as sure as I'm talking to you right now, because I was in perfect recollection of what happened. He was like, well, I've never heard of that before. And I'm like, I don't care. Just because you ain't heard of it. Don't mean it. (laughs) And uh, Jazz has a question um, next, too. Go ahead, Jazz. Yeah, my question was about, you said it was called paradoxical. Paradoxical insomnia. Okay. So it's like, how long did you deal with that? Like, how do you even get out of that to be able to sleep again? You know, because I know like sleep aids and stuff can only do but so it, much. It didn't do anything. And, and I'm going to be honest, when the third, third the third day that I was in the hospital, that was when they had uh, flighted me to Pittsburgh. Mm-hmm. Uh, I originally had been going to the doctor because I had a disc that was messed up in my neck and they gave me a steroid. So when I was in the hospital, I was only on the heart medicine. So the pain from my neck was killing me. And I'm telling them, hey, I can't sleep because I got a pain in my neck. The pain, you know, the pain was just excruciating. And they're like, oh, we're going to shoot you with morphine. They hit me with like maybe two or three cc's of morphine. They hit me with the morphine. And literally, my wife's right there. I went, no, but that's just it. I couldn't go to sleep. When they hit me with it, you know how when you get hit with morphine through your IV, I could feel it. And I'm like, oh, yeah, this is going to be good because I'm going to be knocked out and not even okay, I'm up again, just like maybe five minutes. And that was it. And you so, said off of three CCs? Yeah. <laughs> Jazz, it I lasted. I mean, that's how I was. I mean, but, when I had my daughter, like, they mm-hmm. gave me, well, I got the epidural, and uh, it was, they had fentanyl in it. And it was mm-hmm. like, when I say I didn't feel a damn thing, I didn't feel a damn thing. But once they took it out, yeah. And it was like after it was out for like 20 minutes or so, that's when, you know, because I had a C-section. So it's like you feel all of mm-hmm. that shit that coming pressure. back. And yeah. it's like that's what they did to me as well. They gave me the uh, morphine drip. And it was just like, yeah, it did. They ended up having to give me oxy's because it was like nothing else was getting, nothing. The pain. Was getting all the good stuff. And you wasn't all feeling nothing. But see, it didn't. But the thing is, Jazz. That's what it, happens when you go to the white hospitals. You get all the. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> wow. I no, mean, is it? But here's the thing, though. You go Jazz. to the black hospital, you only get trims. <laughs> <laughs> but, here's, but here's the thing, though, Jazz. It it took the pain away, but I still wasn't able to sleep. So, September 30th, 2021, I had the heart attack. I think I had my first night's sleep, probably. Around about October 29th, 28th, 29th, something like that. A whole month. Jeez. Yeah. That would have been cussing everybody out by then. Well, right. But I'm gonna tell you, but I'm gonna tell you where my faith where my faith was strong. I had time to I had time to rest, even though I yeah. couldn't sleep. My body was just like rested. Yeah. And that's, the, yeah. and that's yeah. the pastoring piece because people figured that anybody can get up and speak for 40 minutes and sit down. Pastoring is the most strength. I will take listen, I will go to somebody's job and flower chicken. I will balance the cash <laughs> register. Yeah. If they switch jobs with me for three weeks, they won't last because the, I mean that's the same thing with my job. I didn't mean to cut you off enough. No, you're sorry. fine. You're it's fine. like that's the same thing with my job. Like I work in a call center. They're like, oh, well, you sit on your butt all day. You don't do anything. Actually, you know, like you got to deal I'm with looking people. at a computer screen all day. Exactly, I'm dealing with people <laughs> yelling at me and all that. So it's like that is a lot. And it's like if you never worked in that actual field, you know, because it's a big difference between somebody being in your face mm-hmm. yelling at mm-hmm. you compared to being on the phone yelling at you. You know, well, I, mean, I think we figure out problems, and situations. That's a lot. Exactly. On the 
Exactly. Well, it depends up. also as where where you work too. I mean, if you're working with like cell phones or something, okay, it's not that bad. But it's like when you're working with people's money and shit, investment stuff, yeah, investment yeah. loans, anything you know that has to do with somebody's money, they're gonna be ten times more mm-hmm. aggressive. It's not intentional. It's just. Uh-huh. I mean, mm-hmm. I get it. Like you're trying to protect your money. I'd be doing the exact same thing too if right, I'm trying to protect right. my money. So, but Jazz, that's pastoring because even though you're in a call center and you're having to deal with different personalities, it's the same thing as pastoring. I, I got to deal with the person with the PhD that has problems, but in the same token, I got to deal with a person that's from around the way that's got problems. Yeah. And if I don't answer or treat everybody with the, the same, same respect, yeah. you know, it's a fight. But I'm gonna tell you back to your question: the the days that I was up. One, my faith kept me grounded because that could drive you crazy. I watched so many versions of cartoons, movies, rewatch movies. I probably wrote close to 150 sermons and literally haven't haven't even preached any of them yet. I had that much time. But the physical aspect of pastoring, people figured that, oh, that's nothing I can do it. When I first started pastoring, I had a head full of beautiful hair. Beard was jet black. Now I'm like Barack Obama before and after when he left out of office because I'm grayed up like Santa Claus. He don't look that bad, though. No, it's, I don't know what her name is. Um, what is her name? She was the mayor of Detroit. That. Now oh. she yeah, Lightfoot. Lori Lightfoot. Yeah, no, she's in Chicago. She's oh, in Chicago. Yeah, Lord, I knew yeah. Chicago. Yeah, she like, lost everything. She, she lost her eyebrows. <laughs> she actually. Looked, she lost her hairline. You know, <laughs> no, for real, she looked like she lost her ability. Lost her sanity. She's like. I mean, wait, dealing with a wait. city like Chicago, next, I wouldn't even. Next, you know, next question. Okay, so, Marvin, next question. I'll, I'll jump in. I'll jump in, okay? Okay. So she gets up there looking like a ninja turtle. Talk, like talking like, uh, like God forgive me. Talking like you God had um, you said that the stressful, the stressing inquired by your job and everything. You know, I also had a, a very stressful experience. Um, Military wise, you know, I was Marine. Oh, God. Um, oh, God. So yeah. Yeah. The, the issues that you had experienced um, with this stress, was there anything that you found to help reduce it so you don't run, run into that situation again with the heart issue? Because I think that was stress induced too. Yeah. Although, you know, diet also plays a part, um, you know, what is it, hereditary uh, illness that, you know, right. comes through. Well, but then I had, you have a um, stress factor. Yeah, what have you done lately in that year? Well, within this last year, um, now here's the thing. I never had high blood pressure. I never had high cholesterol. Never had any of that. My mother uh, has a pacemaker and my grandmother had three heart attacks in, you know, in times past. Mm-hmm. Uh, since I had the heart attack, I dropped 89 pounds. Mm-hmm. And it, with the weight piece, I've also learned to delegate because as a pastor, when God gives you a vision to do something, you say, OK, if we do this, this and this, they will come. When you see that it's proven and it works, even if people don't show up, you still got to do it. <laughs> you know what I mean? So I've delegated people uh, more so now delegated people. to you know what? You you all help me. Because at the end of the day, I found out, and I'm not talking about the people I pastor because I love all of them, but I've been in certain situations where people will use you up and then when you can't do any more, they'll move to the next person to leach energy off of. I'm like, I can't, I'm like, I can't do it. So now 
from a stress aspect with my daughters. My daughters are 16 and 14. Um, we laugh more now since the heart attack. Because once you die, the stuff that was important before is no longer important. You don't care because life is entirely too short to complain about this. And I still and I still have daddy ways. Hey, clean up the kitchen. Hey, you know, take right. out the trash. But the stuff that I used to be so adamant about, and I'm like, oh man, this uh, I don't I could care less. <laughs> if it happens, it happens. If it doesn't, it doesn't. I don't care. Ooh, so <clears throat> I actually have two more questions for you. Mm -hmm. So um I kind of want to uh because we're almost nearing an hour. So uh, another question I have for you is what is your position on us reaching out to the black children and getting this generation, not just black kids, I'm gonna say all kids, mm -hmm. but I always like to focus on our group because it seems like our group of kids are more at risk. The most trouble, and, yeah. That's yeah. reality. Yeah. So um what can we do to reach the millennials and the younger black kids to bring them back into the church? Because I believe we were having a conversation. I was saying, you know what? I remember when I went to church, we always had a youth choir. And growing up, like um, I went to, I grew up at Greater Friendship Baptist Church and we always had like a mass choir. So you remember Hezekiah and them? We had oh, that yeah. type of choir. Like we could compete. We always went to competitions and stuff like that. And we don't have that. Like how do we bring that back into the church because when you think about it, music is the connection to get to these kids. You have to show humanity. Now, on a on a in the same subject matter, the things that we saw back in those days, um, a lot of that we'll never see again. But I'm not saying that God can't switch it around. But what I am saying is, is that <laughs> when you were younger and I was younger in a choir, that's all we had was choir. You look forward to coming to church to see the girls, to see the boys because they were your friends. You know, you had a crush or whatever. That was before Wi-Fi, the Internet, gaming, sports on Sunday and all the other. So children are like, go to church and listen to a preacher get up and say, God is good or stay <laughs> home and play the video game. If I'm 15 years old, I'm trying to stay home and play the video game. But how how we can get kids back in church is to have those of us who are in church to go out and show that we're human. And I say this because I, like um, I play basketball still. I go to the MLK, the MLK Center. I got kids in there from Steubenville, Ohio, Pittsburgh, Chicago. And if it gets if it gets rough enough in there, you're going to see gunplay outside. Everybody knows who I am. So when I come in and I'm playing ball and they start cussing up a storm, I hear, oh, my fault, Rev. You, this who you are. It's who it's who you are. It's what you've been doing. Don't change because I'm there. Because if I disappear, you gonna go back to cut. Be it's yourself. Be right. yourself. So when I go to the gym to play ball, when we have a lot, a lot of stuff that we have in communities this weekend, we have uh, uh, the uh, African Heritage Festival down at the ball field. I'm DJ. I'm a DJ. I'm an old school Brooklyn, New York. DJ. I learned how to DJ way back in the day. My pops bought me turntables. So okay. when we show people that we are human versus choir robe, collar, I'm preacher, I'm this, hey, I'm Reverend Dr. So-and-so, and you should come to the church. When I walk into any building, and my wife will tell you this, and anybody who's ever been near me for the last 25 plus years in church, and it's from a senior pastor aspect, I have never invited anybody to the church I pastor. 
literally, which is why in the beginning, when I was talking about the introductions, I don't need the introductions where he's the former pastor of da da da. He graduated summa cum laude from da da. I don't never do any of that. The reason being is because if you meet me and I throw my credentials at you instead of throwing my humanity at you, you're going to be turned off. Yes. So, I, so I'm not going to tell you everything that I've accomplished from <laughs> an educational standpoint or whatever. But what I will share with people on the street is that I have been locked up. I have had to deal with commissary. I am a felon. I've been there, done that, got the T-shirt. But the same God that is sustaining me now is the same God that brought me out of what I did. So we can bring kids back. That's number one, showing that we're human. Number two, and get ready to laugh, we have to have stuff for kids in church. To tell children that they can do song, scripture, prayer, choir, bring in a youth pastor, youth preacher, because there's a lot of young kids like I was that are, you know, that are preachers now. If we say that we're going to have a youth day, then allow the youth to have youth day versus having somebody 90 years old on the microphone. <laughs> and then you got the choir and everybody in the choir is over 45 or 50 and they got on robes and tennis shoes. That's not youth day. So as a kid, think about it. As a kid, I'm looking at graphics on my phone. <laughs> as a kid, I'm looking at TV. As a kid, I'm looking at social media. Right. As a kid, I'm smoking weed on the street. As mm. a kid, I'm having sex and doing all this other stuff. So now you want me to minimize my emotions and my mindset to sit in front of somebody for an hour who's 90 years old. And when they had sin, it was only cigarettes. <laughs> but now that I'm younger, I got more opportunities to sin. Right. So if your church service, how can I say this? If your church, okay, let me be hood and let me be ecclesiastical for a minute. Go if ahead, your kid. church service sucks, nobody's going to come. Ecclesiastically, if your church service has not been geared towards everybody, you're not going to last too long. And last year, 3,800 churches closed because of COVID. Not just because of COVID, but also because nobody was coming. Because write, write this down, a church without children dies. Mm. I don't care who, I don't care if you got 50 millionaires in a building and no kids, all 50 of those millionaires are gonna get old. And if you have not done anything to get kids back in church, nobody's coming to your church. And we see that, don't talk about the Lord's church. That's not talking about the Lord's church. That's talking about man that has corrupted the Lord's church. You better say it. And there's a difference in the two. I, I also think another thing is not just that, um, Marvin. I think there's other things that are happening in society as a whole that oh, yeah. have just diminished everything. The sense of community is gone. You know, yeah. I remember back in the days when I used to live in Youngstown, Ohio, there was this lady. Uh, she used to live right next door to me. Her name was Miss Bryant. She was a viejita, old lady on the block. And she was just the sweetest person in the world. Everyone knew her, you know. And there was always no nothing really would happen because of the out of the, the level of disrespect being towards mm -hmm. this uh, lady. So wow. they, they respected her to the point where literally nothing would happen on the, on the I was on this little block called Ravenwood. This block was right next to Mill Creek Park. You go to Mill Creek Park at night, you was dead. But wow. like, but this section, it was like little suburbia, all because we had this lady living on this block, and that I had drug dealers living right next door to me, and then I had her. They never caused a problem because they respected her. Respect, yeah. And that's mm -hmm. the part. I think that's one yeah. of the big thing. No. It's the, the old school drug dealers did have respect, though. They yeah, really well, did. their respect is gone. Like he just said, yeah. 
a long time ago, you could not touch family members, children. children now, it's all if I can't get to you, no if I can't get to you, I'm coming after your kids. Right, right. That's code. That's code of the street. Youngstown, Chicago, New York, wherever you go, that's the new code now. Yep these 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 kids and um, this new generation has no code because it's not enforced to um, have values anymore. You know, any exactly. a, a thief gonna have a little bit of values about the house they're gonna rob. Mm -hmm. Well, you, you know, got to look at you got to look at the street life now. You got cats now. They they hood on social media, but mm -hmm. behind closed doors, when they get a chance to do a deposition, they'll sell you out for a bag of Doritos and a cheeseburger. It's a different. Yep. It's a different time. Mm -hmm. That's five dollars. <laughs> that they will sell you out for five dollars. That is long the generation. As long as it's uh, the cool ranch. Cool because. ranch. <laughs> <laughs> so before because we're we're nearing our hour mark, so before we let okay. you go. Yeah. I really want to ask you about <clears throat> the pastor. I believe he was in New York. What, what was the pastor got wrong? What was it? <sighs> in Brooklyn. Brooklyn. Oh, Brooklyn. So the pastor who got robbed in Brooklyn, he came to his church wearing over a million dollars worth of jewelry. Yeah. And uh, some stick up kids came in and they did what they do. They stuck yeah. him up. And so I found though? out. Huh? What did he expect, though? Right, right. And so exactly. what he said is he sends his kids in a hundred thousand dollars worth of jury too. So yeah. like, kids go to school with and yeah. that jury. How do you feel about that pastor? And first of all, him wearing a million dollars worth the jury in the heart of Brooklyn, man, mind you. Uh, he here's the thing about that. He perpetrated a stereotype, and many pastors perpetrate this same stereotype that is all about money and being prosperous in the kingdom. Prosperous can mean having joy and peace and being able to sleep at night. And to come into a church, and really it's not even the actual, it's a church, it's a storefront church, but you're, what you had on jewelry-wise was worth more than the building. Mm. That's number one. Number two, you had on a million dollars worth of jewelry, but you didn't even have a choir or musicians. Um, he perpetrates the church money. Exactly. But the thing about it is that's that's another kind of money. Uh, but he perpetrates the stereotype that all preachers are crooks and only want your money. And because, uh, <laughs> and because that too, and because he's and because everything is prosper money, you know, the Bible says bring all the tithes. Let me let me teach right in through here. And I know we're almost done. Go ahead, when, teach, Pastor. When the Bible said bring all the tithes into the storehouse, this is before the Nicene Council took place. When they talked about tithes in the storehouse, it had to do with kingdom and it had to do with physical meat. It had to do with spices and things of that nature, especially salt, because in Jerusalem in the old, old Old Testament, they did not have refrigerators. They used salt as a cure for meat that actually preserved meat. So when they said bring all the tithes into the storehouse so it may be meat in my house, it was physical meat. That's what it meant. So after the Nicene Council, and of course, we look in the New Testament, render unto Caesar what Caesar's, blah, blah, blah. It became about physical money, monetary money and currency. So here's the thing. And let me and let, for anybody that does not know how church money is supposed to go. Allow me to school you if you are brand new and don't know when you give your offering to a church. Number mm -hmm. one, you're not giving an offering to make the pastor rich. 
we need to kill that vibe, kill that rumor and kill that foolishness and smack the mouth of any preacher that gets in the microphone and says that it's about making them rich. I, I, I wish I could just punch them all in the face, but I can't because I'm, <laughs> I'm long distance and I'm not close to them. But when you give your money to a church, your tithe is what you owe and offering is what you sow. You're giving money to a church, which is a higher power that number one, when you give your money, it pays for electric, gas, water. It pays for clothes for the homeless when you have drives. It pays for feeding the homeless when they don't have food. I'm saying this because this is what we do where I pastor. And finally, it is for the pastor's salary. Now, you'll hear people say, well, the pastor shouldn't get a salary because the pastor needs to get a job. I've been on both sides of the fence where I've been a full-time pastor and had a job. Here is the catch-22 in that. If I work a full-time job with overtime, and I'm not paid a salary. And people say, well, you know, y'all don't do anything. When your mother dies and you want the funeral on Friday at noon and your mother's last wish in her will was that her pastor preaches her funeral, I'm not calling off from work making $30 an hour to come and preach the funeral. And see, we never think about this because nobody ever explains how it's supposed to work. Mm -hmm. I get a base salary and that takes care of what I do because I did not go to school for almost nine years to get a master's, almost a PhD to get paid high school pay. But in the same right. token, I'm not going to have a church make me rich because that's not the church's job to make me rich. So I've heard people say, well, if you get a job, you know, y'all pastors are late. No, if I get a job, that means that there's a funeral a wedding or anything else that needs to be done. You're going to have to ask me to call off my job. In the COVID season from March of 2020 until last month, I did 278 funerals. God. Of people who God. died. So I'm sorry, we have a, a fan comment real quick. I always mm -hmm. like to try to read the comments. Yeah. Um, so Musically Me said, I just found out that he tricked the former. Um, he did. Was this a congregate? Is that $90,000. Yes, uh, $90,000. $90, yeah. He told and her he was going it. to buy a home for her, but he, what? He's, he in, he's, in, he's, in, court, he's in court for it now. He's in court. He's in litigation for it now. So him getting robbed is his karma because that's exactly what he get. Or, yeah. or did he. We're going to address the next comment real quick. Or did he get robbed and mm. it's for insurance fraud? That too. Oh, that too. I thought yeah. about that too. Because you we, know, yeah, we why know. would you wear so much and then get right? That don't make no paid. sense. Mm -hmm. And if you seen the street that the church was on, you'd understand why. I feel like you ain't walking down the street in that. Yep, you're right. At, at so all. Randy Easter said false, pro false prophets are the reason most lose their faith. That is so true. Yeah, yeah, and it's and it's it's sad. It's sad that it has come to that point because again, the false prophets are the ones that make my job extremely hard. You know, Ooh. so as I said, when when you give money to your church, it is not to make the pastor rich. Um, I give you a prime example. Uh, Bishop Joseph Walker, who's the head of the full gospel Baptist church and T.D. Jakes, who is actually from probably 30 miles up the road from where I am right now. They were smart. They received salary from their churches and they bought old houses and flipped them. 
and mm. other financial things that I know, per, you know, that I know personally that they've done. And then you hear people say, oh, you know, them pastors, they rip off art. Yeah, pastors like the one that got robbed, they are rip off artists. Yeah. But then there are certain pastors like the one that you're looking at right now that still loves the sheep, shows up, is at the church every day, mm -hmm. does what he has to do, drives a 2016 Chrysler, does not have a whole bunch of money, but I do my job. Right. And it's individuals that are fleecing people that make my job hard. Mm. Period. That's that's, yes. Yeah. Because there's so many more shady. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Know, and like, here I am struggling trying to make ends meet, and you got yeah. cats that's sitting on millions of dollars and they've done nothing. Yeah. Literally. Like, was, uh, like was prime example, thing? Creflo yeah. Dollar. Like, I think he's the biggest ass crook in the world. Like, I live in Atlanta, and it's like Girl. I live too far from where his church is. Well, no. Well, it's like on the other side of town, but still. It's like the church has an ATM in there. It has a tax preparer in there. Like, why are you going to church to prepare your taxes? Like, I mean, that's just and weird. And then right to have there. his congregation buy him a jet? Yeah, a certain, things we just don't, yeah. certain things we but just don't But it's just the do. ATM thing right there that got me because it's like, why? You know what and I mean? And then did you see the, the interview where the yeah. woman, one of the women of his church said, she gave him twelve hundred dollars. The woman catch the bus to work every but day. But you should see, like on Sundays, like when people are leaving. That old, it's on a street called Old National, and literally National. that whole street. When I say like, then people coming out of that church, it's like damn ridiculous. Or like Eddie Long's church, and he, I feel like he was the biggest crook in the world, like literally. And it's like, and you know what? I believe that some of these sense. pastors. Not to cut you off, Jazz. I'm sorry. No, you're okay. I believe that some of these pastors did start off with the intention. Yeah. Going really saving. But then the once they start getting work. that money and but they once, started, you know, and yes. They and, let, it um, let, me you, let me give you Bible <laughs> I, in that. I think we have to hold them accountable when we see that they're getting out of line. Like there's no way their church should be buying a G five airplane. No, sir. No. Take because, I mean, airline. if you buy an airplane, I better be getting a free ride. Right. Like, that money, he could have did it. so much in his community. He could have really been, he could have changed a lot of kids' life, sent some kids to college. You know what I'm saying? But as far well, as church, the, where his church is, is in the damn hood. And it's like, but it's always really the churches that are dead smack in the hood. They don't run these liquor stores off. You have all that money, you going to have some pull. But here's All my goal. Because I keep you not literally where his church is. Or I'm going to say something. Five minutes up the street. You have wow. all these Caucasians Clubs, paying off. That. You have all these Caucasians paying off uh, uh, all these people. Creflo Dollar, you bought a plane. Take and go pay off some people to get these liquor stores off the corners of our communities. That's my goal before I die is to change the block. Yes. Literally, literally I, I'm saying I'm saying this because this is personal for me. Oh, he's, he's My right. goal is to change the entire block. And the reason being is because there are pastors who pastor churches for 30, 40 and 50 years in the same neighborhood. And when that pastor dies, nothing around the neighborhood has changed. Yep. Mm -hmm. And I have to I, I'm at a point now where if I see people in our alley next to our church and they're addicted, I walk over in the alley. Me and some of my deacons, we walk in the alley, we talk to them, we invite them. They don't come. But it's our job. But to you still get your job, though. Exactly. That all I mean, it's not that they won't come right then. Maybe exactly. it's just like maybe it ready. might come in a month or a year. Yeah. Years, you know? years. They, Sometimes they will years. always remember there was an invitation in, mm. and when they exactly. hit that point where God has really put them to get them up, because you know mm. He'll take you low. He'll take you low to pick you up. Man, you listen. Know what I'm saying? Yeah, I know. 
And um, <laughs> so we're going to wrap, wrap this up. Oh, um, one, so one, one, one sec before we wrap up. All right. So I wanted to say that. I just didn't want to interrupt anyone. Oh, go ahead. So it was what was it uh, Steve Harvey used to say uh, when it was the offering? He called it the building fund. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Ain't put a doorknob. <laughs> <laughs> hey, why you playing? You why t- you playing? <laughs> we don't right. have we don't we don't have a building fund. That's one thing I was like, we can't because like he said, this is the building fund table, this is the church's table. Let's please no, it's that we have a general offering. Every every Sunday we have a general offering, and then on the fifth Sunday we take up money for our missionaries, and then we have a youth offering on the third Sunday. Other than that, we don't do all of the this is daddy need a new pair of shoes offering. This is I need a new track for my wig off. We don't do none of that. Lord have mercy. None of that. <laughs> my gut, my gut. So <clears throat> I'm gonna end this by saying this though. First of all, I do agree. Pastors definitely should have a salary because if they're gonna do the work of God, then they need to be able to focus on writing a sermon. They need to be able to focus on getting out into the community and seeing what the needs are in the community. And actually, if they have that time, they can engage with more of the church members because you know what? We have church members who put that smile on and they come to church and we think they're okay, but they're not. They have that, that pride where they're afraid to come and feel like if they come to the pastor or the church, they're going to be tore down. And I think a lot of pastors, when they actually have the time to really get into their church and get to know um, um, the congregation, they'll be able to see the people who really, really need their help. And so I do think that pastors should definitely be paid. Um, love our pastors. We have great pastors out here. Yeah, a we bunch of them. We really do. And just because they're not traditional, don't just throw them out. Because guess Man. what? This is not the time for tradition. We live in an untraditional world where Man. we have to meet sin at the door. And we have to meet this evil that is overtaking our community, the black community right now. Yeah. Uh, I don't I don't even know how to face it. We have so many murders going on. We have so many babies yeah. out here who are struggling to eat. You have mothers who are struggling to put their kids in daycare so that they can work. We need to be able to face this and we do need our pastors. But pastors, you guys, you guys got to realize that just as much as we need you, you guys need us. Yes, very much so. Very and much so. Let's not always beat our pastors down. I want to remind everyone they are human. Human They're first. Human. They go through things. We want to smack people. Things. We want to knock people out. We want to cry. We want to laugh. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> yes. And wait. Let's just, before let's you, just wait. That. Wait. And also, Jazz, uh, we like to eat at the Atlanta Breakfast Club. So uh, that's. <laughs> I've never been there. I don't even know where that is. Oh, uh, it's downtown. And it's oh, like okay. Then I really late, but it's. Uh, I don't got time for that. No, thank you. <laughs> well, you know what, guys? We have been here for an hour and twelve minutes. <laughs> Thirteen. It is. It is my birthday in the hour. Hey, guys. Oh, Twenty-nine again. Hey, turn up. Twenty-nine turn again. Up. How many times have you been twenty-nine? Too many, <laughs> but you know, I want to. I'm so blessed to be here and to be going around this earth again. So, um, every time I get onto this podcast with you guys, let me tell you, it's a breath of fresh air because you guys, I love you guys so much. And I'm telling you, Brandon and Jazz, you guys don't even understand. Like, I've been going through some things, but as soon as I get on here with you guys, everything that I feel it just lifts off my shoulder because I'm like. I love to see y'all faces. Like I'm telling you, it's always a good time over here. And <laughs> Pastor Marvin, 
I want to thank you personally for coming on. And let me tell you, this hour has been amazing. Kind of blew by. I didn't even feel like an hour. Um, <laughs> yes, if you could, please let us know, because I know you don't like to promote yourself too much. But do let us know where your church is and uh, let us know what, what time church starts. If you have morning service, evening service, uh, vacation Bible school or a I ain't been in church too long. I forget. Let them know. <laughs> they can go on to, uh, they could be on Facebook and also go on. Um, they can go on Facebook and uh, YouTube under second Baptist church of Steubenville. And then if they can reach either one of those, uh, then just follow me uh, on Twitter, Marvin E. Barner Jr. Uh, that's that's basically it. That's it. If they need media, tell them to holler at Mars Media. We do that on the side. That's see. That's another thing that goes back to the pastoral thing. There's a lot of stuff that I want. There's a lot of stuff that I want to give my kids, but I don't want to do it at the expense of the church. So you I don't want to do it. At, I'm not supposed to do it at the expense of the church. You know. And you so said I, it was Second Baptist Church of Steubenville on uh, YouTube. Uh huh. S T E U B E N V I L L E. There's a silver number two. Can you That's bring right that there. in the um, box real quick and flash that across the screen for us, please? Um, guys, if you guys are in the Steubenville area, I actually know a couple of people out there. Um, I don't know. Stephen Baptist Church of Steubenville. And let me let me tell you guys, I've had a conversation with him for almost, almost an hour and a half, I believe. And this man <laughs> right here is truly a man of acceptance and i don't mean just accepting bull crap because that's not what we're oh, talking no, about we ain't doing none of that we ain't accepting no bull crap, <laughs> but we are accepting people as they come and that's the type of person that he is he's accepting you as you are no matter what your what your sin is because your sin don't matter the moment the moment you step into the house of god that is between you and god and every day that you go into church that's right transformation will begin and trust the process um, I know I said I don't go to church a lot. God is still working on me and ministering to my soul. But I've been, I grew up in the church. I was raised in the church. And I'm telling you, every day that you go, it does get, like, the, the heavy burden on you, it lifts. I'm still well, in the like process of my church home. But that's like what B said a few minutes ago. At the end of the day, it, there, there's, it's about loving each other, helping everybody around you. Once the church gets back to that original message, we won't have as much hell in church as we have. When people realize that it's not the social club, but it's a place where people can come to get help and redeemed. And if I walk into a church and I'm attacked based on what I look like and what color I am, I don't want to come back. Right. Um, so this is his church that's on the bottom of the screen. Let's leave that up for a minute so everyone has some time to screenshot it if they need to and share and text it or whatever you need to do and also guys remember in the church congregation love on each other because guess what Period. no sin is greater than the other and Man. life is hard life is hard church is supposed to be a place where we can get out of our our current life this worldly life and find a place where we know we're all seeking that one power let and me, that um, lets us all be vulnerable because we're all there seeking after jesus and seeking after god let me leave you with this because I got a hair appointment in a few minutes. No, I'm joking. Okay, but, go ahead. Go ahead. Uh, you, think, you know what? Go ahead. Why don't, you, why don't you go ahead and end this out for us? Go ahead. Okay. There is a um, there's an old saying that church is a hospital for sick people. Uh, I'm gonna give this analogy and then I'm gonna be done. Uh, 
Church is a hospital for those that are sick. Now, let's bring this to a worldly hospital. If you go to any hospital in America, the number of people who are well will always outnumber the number of people who are sick. So for every few beds you have on the floor, you've got doctors, nurse practitioners, orderlies, what have you. So when you walk into a hospital, there's always going to be more people that are well than those that are sick. So as it pertains to the church being a hospital, there are many people in the church that are well, but there are more sick people in the church. And the only reason why they are sick is because they refuse to take their medicine. Ooh, ooh. That's the reality. Guys, and that's and that's what we're going to end this with. Y'all heard that. Y'all heard that. He said that. Y'all make sure y'all hit rewind on that. Y'all hit rewind on that, okay? We need we need snacks brought the last time. I need snacks. We do, because man, house, let me so. tell you. I'm kind of hungry over here. Let me tell you. But no, guys. Um, Pastor, um, I thank you so much for coming. We appreciate you. Oh, my pleasure. I have fun. So, I have so fun. much. I, I'm so thankful that you Conversation makes the world go round, regardless it of your does. disposition. It yeah. does. So, Facebook fans, YouTube fans, IG fans, everyone, if you watch me, you're a fan. I appreciate you. Guys, make sure you go and check us check us out on YouTube at the Lauren Hour Podcast with Laura Dannon. If you have not done so yet, please like, share, and subscribe. Also, check out our fan page on IG, The Lauren Hour. And remember, if you guys don't want to watch us in a traditional way, you can take us on the go. We're on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, um, Pandora, wherever you can find streaming services. I'm there. Me and my crew is there. But we love you guys. Thank you for tuning in. Be blessed. Do great things in this world. And you guys know I always say love on each other. Love you guys. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Bye.